0: All right, open your Bibles tonight to Genesis chapter 20. I have one more Wednesday night, I think. I believe that's right. I have another Wednesday night, maybe two more. i just see what the deacons say. <laughs> but I, I've got one more for sure, I think. And um, we've got, gleaned a whole lot out of the book of Genesis. And um, by the way, I want to say again, for those that may not have heard me Sunday that when people interview you, they do not understand we did this with God's help. We did this with God's hand. We did this for the glory of God. We did this by the power of God. They don't understand that, so they leave it out. So when you read an article, you remember most men of God don't don't use the lines that they use. They put, Thank Jesus or by the grace of God or for his glory uh, uh, or in answer to prayer. A whole lot of things that's said, but since they don't understand our spiritual language, they cannot speak it, so don't get too angry at the writers because they do the best they can from a pagan or carnal uh, concept. So um, I just want you to know that what somebody told one of the neighbors here and I sure had a high opinion of myself. Well, I'm not arrogant, but I'm pretty confident. I'm confident this is the word of God and I'm confident if you preach it, God do something with it. And I'm confident that God called me to do it. And those three things I know, well, I know I'm saved. I'm confident in that. And so I don't think Christians have any reason to back up and stand in the corner like little shy little kids and be afraid of what God has done. So we thank him for that. So Genesis chapter uh, 20, uh, when a Christian sins all over again, I know several of you missed last week uh, because of sickness and other things, and you said, man, I like to, I I didn't want to miss that part. And so I'm I'm just going to quickly hit a couple of things here. Um, it, it, what he's talking about, what I'm talk, taking these chapter and talking about, is that Abraham commits identical sins. Now, not in, not with identical people, not the same place, but he does the same thing. He tells a lie. He tells a lie. And that's how he thought he could survive. Uh, you do it one time, maybe you may get away with it. You do it twice, you are certain not to get away with it. And so, uh, God at his word talks about that. And all through the Bible, you find how God deals with our sin. If we lie, sooner or later, sooner or later, we got to deal with it. If we sin, you remember I talked to you about the telescopic the telescopic view of sin. It just keeps opening up and widening up. You remember in the scripture Noah got drunk, David committed adultery. I'll ask you something tonight. Moses murdered, Paul, of course, was a murderer. Peter cursed and and denied the Lord and did just about everything he could. And you say, well, they couldn't have been saved. Yes, they was. They not only were saved, they're the people who helped start the church. So, the Bible says in Hebrews that we, the reason we don't run our race like we're supposed to run our race, that means that we, we don't stay in the will of God like we're supposed to stay in the will of God is that we have besetting sins. In other words, we have certain sins that gets us off track. Do you have one? Let's be honest, we've got them. What is the sin that the devil uses in your life? This is the most dishonest crowd I've ever seen in my life. Wait till I get online after a while. You have this besetting sin. You don't even like to admit it. Some people won't admit it. Some people even say it's not there. They convince themselves they don't have that sin. But when they're tempted with that sin, they go that way as a result. It besets them. You you can read it, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1, all right? And so I want you tonight just to think right now. Think right now. What is the thing? That always gets you out of the will of God. Oh, it may not be the same situation or that, but it's the same sin in essence. What is it in a nutshell sin that gets you out of the will of God? What is it? I want you to think about that this week, okay? What is our besetting sin? And see, these, Abraham's besetting sin was he was a liar. And especially where his wife came into view, he lied. Now, in fact, First John chapter one, verse eight says, "If you say you have no sin, you lie and deceive yourselves." But the next verse says, "If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness, right? Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So that's how we started, and we looked at Abraham on the move. and And he's starting to move here, and he moves into a strange land, a danger zone. He always has problems with that. And so Abraham misrepresented the truth. There's one thing to just out and out tell a bold lie, but there's another thing to misrepresent the truth. Do y'all understand? He didn't necessarily tell a lie in his explanation. But from God's point of view, he's a liar. You see, she really was his sister. She really was his sister. But what takes precedence, his wife or his sister, He's going to spend the rest of his life with his wife. He won't see his sister except on Hanukkah. Yeah. And so here we find that uh, he, he comes in to this town. He starts to uh, look around. He thinks, well, you know, we, we may be in trouble here. And so he tells a lie. Now, a half-truth, listen to me, a half-truth as presented as a whole truth, is an untruth. Write that down. Half-truth, when it's presented as the whole truth, is untruth. When you lead somebody to believe something that is not true, when you lead somebody to believe something that is only partially true, or where you can explain it, Away in such a way that it sounds like it's not a sin. That's what he does, right here. And so, God, I, I haven't got time to talk to you about it, but I put the verses up there. Proverbs six: God said He hates a lying tongue, hates it. Anything God hates, we'll hate, it. right? And so, what Abraham does here. Just absolutely breaks God's heart. He he can't stand to see his 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 man who's carrying the seed, the messianic seed. He he can't stand to see him who's made covenant promises lie lie. You know some people has affairs and takes off the rings because they're having an affair. Thinks that makes it all right. Oh yeah, it really does. It's ridiculous. But write these verses down. The last verse, Romans 21 8, when God starts talking about people who's going to hell, now there's a whole lot more or different kinds of sins of people going to hell, but He chose a few just to represent the whole. You know one of them He chose? Liars. And He said it this way, and all liars. You see, God just can't stand that. Why? Because he's the God of truth. The Holy Spirit's the spirit of truth, and the Bible is the word of truth. So God is truth. He cannot stand a lie. And so what Abraham did broke his heart. Uh, You can look at other verses, Proverbs 13, 5. And uh, let's just look. I'm going to go there. Psalm Psalm 119, 163. Psalm 119, 163. Now, would sum up somebody stand up and who's memorized that and say it for us? No. <laughs> well, long one, 163 verses that it has in this chapter 119. Have you, have you got it? 163. I hate. He didn't stop there. I hate and I abhor lying, but thy law do I love. He said, I love your word because it's truth, but I abhor hating, lying. Boy, that's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? And Ephesians 4.25, if you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, what's, what's one of the things that God tells us to do? You know? put away all lying from you. Ephesians 4.25, you look at, okay? So uh, he was misrepresenting the God who is the God of truth, Jehovah God. The second thing we see about him is God put a restraining order, and here's where we want to camp a little bit tonight, because I, I want you to see this, because this will bless you about some of the messes you've made in the past. Have any of you made any messages in the past? Will you at least admit to that? Okay. All right. In verse 3 through 6 of Genesis 20, God puts a restraining order, a restraining order on Sarah and because of Abraham. Now, Abraham didn't deserve it. Sarah didn't deserve it. But God's got a plan. You're not going to mess up his plan. And so look, verses 3 through 6. Are y'all looking at it? Uh, but God came to Abimelech. So they, they moved down here and uh, there in Gerar. And look what he said. God came to Abimelech in a dream and said, Behold, thou art but a dead man. God said, I'm going to kill you. Why? For a woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. He hadn't touched her. Oh, that would be unusual. We already talked about that God must have done a miracle on her uh, to make her so appealing and so attractive at 90 years of age, and God put her uh, in such a beautiful state and, and such a youthful state that she could have a child later on. And so when Pharaoh saw her, he said, Bring her to my harem, and his first thing that he would do would say, bring the new one to me. But look what the Bible says. The Bible says that God stopped that, right? Well, could not come near her. You see it? He had not even come near her. He said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Now, they were far from righteous, but in this particular case, they hadn't sinned. They didn't know anything about what Abraham had done. And then he said unto me, she is my sister, and she even, she herself said, he is my brother. So here they're both lying. they both lying. How can people today half-truth it and feel good about it? Did you know there's probably a lot of people with broken hearts tonight? There's probably a lot of people that's standing in the dark tonight. There's probably a lot of people tonight whose lives have been ruined because somebody told a half-truth. They only, oh yeah, she was his sister. He was her brother, half-sister, half-brother, but she was his wife. Does that sound like Jesus to you? Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and what? Gave himself for. You see, I, 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 mean, I, I interpret scripture a whole lot different than some of these mushballs do. This mushy, mushy stuff, God did not mean for that to define the home, the family, and the marriage. What he's saying is when you've got a wife who is submissive like she had, somewhere in that 13 years she had changed. It probably was because God brought her down to 40, you know. And he he thought, wow, what a knockout. I didn't know what I had. And so he brings her down to that age and Thirteen years, something happened, and the Bible said she submitted herself to him and even called him Lord. That's a little L, not this Lord up here, but master down here. And he's willing, listen, the man who loves his wife is willing to sacrifice even to death. I'd die for my family. And somebody, it might be a few others die for my family. I mean, listen, you, you don't mess with a person's family. And, and when you walk up and say, this is my sister, when she's really your wife, You've told a half-truth. You've put your wife at at so much risk. What Abraham should have done is he should have told him who he was. He should have told him what God wanted him to do. He should have told him what he came there for. And if he got killed, he got killed. But he would die defending his family. I'm going to tell you, some of us may have to do it. Die. Die. We may have to take their place. Are you willing to sacrifice? You see, that's what God's talking. He's not talking about that mushy mess. He's talking about a man who will stand and protect and preserve and care for his family, even if it means sacrifice, if it means working 18 hours a day, if, 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 if it means working when he's sick, if it means taking uh, uh, taking. Jobs he can't stand. Whatever it is, he's willing to sacrifice for his family. So here he doesn't do that. So since he don't do it, God puts a restraining order, and he performed invisible restraint. In other words, God did not let Abimelech touch her. It wasn't that he didn't want to touch her. It wasn't that he wouldn't like to touch her. But God would not allow it. How many things has happened in your life you meant to do, you intended to do, you would have done, but God wouldn't let you? Am I telling you the truth? There's a lot of churches that have done the same thing. I'm going to tell you, I don't know what kind of pastor you're going to get. If I know our pulpit committee, he's going to be a Bible-preaching preacher. But he don't need to be a Glenn Denton. Glenn Denton's not a good pastor. I preach. That's what God gifted me to do, is to preach. I have a prophet gift. That's what God gifted me to do when I came here it's just a lot of cleaning up need to be done and over the years it got to be more cleaning up cleaning up and God left me here till the time when it was time to move on and the next person that comes in the next person that comes in you don't look for another Glenn Denton you look for a man of God filled with the Holy Ghost who will preach this book with all of his heart y'all with me so God put a restraining on her. Now, we're talking here about a husband and wife. If, if Obviously, Abraham looked pretty homely. He wasn't a good-looking man. He wasn't a nice-looking man. Can I tell you, if marriage is built upon better looks, that's what you think love is. You have no marriage. Because that good-looking one is going to change into a ugly one, a sagging one, a hair-falling-out one, a wig-wearing one. I'm just telling you the truth. And Abraham thinks he looks bad, give him a few more years. He really going to look bad. I I don't like the fact. Now, I don't think you ought to go out and pick the ugliest woman in the world, but I do think that you better be careful about building your marriage on what turns you on physically. I mean, there was a day uh, in in my life, you know, to where I was buff and strong, and now I'm fluff and bong, you know, that's about it. Let me tell you something. If a man has to go around all the time worried that this guy's going to catch his wife's eye and he don't have trust in her, that will ruin a marriage. If he knows that she's got that look in her eyes, as Gary Puckett in the Union Gap used to sing, I got that look in your eye. Because a man knows when you got that look in your eye. You remember that song? No. Y'all, y'all too spiritual. Y'all didn't listen to none of that. Y'all would listen to that acid rock while you was high. I know what you was doing. But if you look at this, God said marriage also has to be built on God's will. What was God's will? Who, who was supposed to have the baby? Sarah. Who was supposed to be the daddy? Abraham. Not a mimelech. Abraham. And so God put a restraining order. And Abraham, as far as Sarah was concerned, obviously trusted her to the very gill. But he wasn't willing to sacrifice for her. Now, he was made aware of the truth, he was convicted about it, and he he wasn't stopped by his love of what's right. He was stopped by his fear of death. Y'all got this? Look at this dude. Abimelech is not stopped because he loves Jesus. He's not stopped from having Sarah in his tent that night because he's just walking with God and loves the Bible and knows the commandments and wants to obey God. He doesn't do it because he loves the truth. He does it because he fears God. God said, I'll kill you, man, you touch her. What he said, I'll kill you if you touch her. So... That's how God works in our life. He he does divine acts. You see, this guy wasn't so good. God was so good. This guy wasn't good at all, but God's good all over. Let's look at Proverbs 21. Y'all know where Proverbs is in the Bible? Y'all come up and help me with it. Look at it. I don't you look at it. I want every eye on it. It ain't gonna hurt you to flip a few pages. Look at Proverbs 21. Look at verse number one. The king's heart is in the hand of Abimelech. What's that? say? The king's heart is in the hand of the voters. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. Look, get this, he turneth it whithersoever he will. You say, I want to go straight. God said, here's where you're going. Here, I want to go straight. God said, no, you're going back over here. I see, God His divine power and providence and and sovereignty can take our life and tell you, you're not going to mess up my plan. I have a plan to redeem the world. And you're not going to mess it up. So look at this, this containment here that God had. We shall. Uh, I don't think we'll never know till we get to heaven how often God has held us back from intentions and sins and actions and misdirections. Do you? How, how many? Just, I ain't going to ask you to raise your hand because I know you ain't going to do it. But just think in your mind how many times had it not been for something that happened. Now, you blamed it on something else, but it wasn't something else. It was God. Because God wanted to do something with you in the future. And had you done something then, he couldn't use you in the future. Y'all with me? I see, God, God does that. And God comes along and here we're working in the church. And the church says, well, this is the way we're going. This is the direction we're going. And God puts a stop to it. And we blame the church. God said, no, don't blame the church. Blame me. This is the direction you're going. Oh, no, God. People, people won't come to a church like that no more. God said, This is the direction you're going. And He manipulates our life and our will and our church and our families and our jobs. Oh, God's amazing the way He gives us this divine act of divine providence. Look at John 17, verse number 15. I'll just look at it. You don't have to do it. Just stay where you are. You'll never get back. John 17, verse 15. This is what it says. He's praying for his disciples now. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but thou should keep them from the evil. See, he said, I don't want them out of the world. Some of us come, I work down there with a bunch of old godly, ungodly people, and I don't know why God dropped me down here. God, I wish you'd move me. I don't work around these old godly people. Do you ever think that God put you there so some of them might not be ungodly like you used to be? And God puts you in a place, even though it's hard, even though it's miserable, I've been there, I know. I think many of you know exactly what I'm talking about, Right? And so, I, even in the Lord's prayer, what is it? Deliver us from. Well, I, I don't need to pray that prayer. I can keep myself from evil. Try Try one day. One day. And your wife will be so mad at you. You'll be so mad at her. You'll kick the kids, throw the dog outside. You'll do everything you can because you tried to do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. Takes a divine act. Really? <laughs> this is a great illustration. I'm going to give it to you. What about Absalom? He, he got to meet a talking donkey. I've got to meet a whole lot of them. He, he met a talking donkey who told him Not to go where he was intending to go. And the donkey could see an angel standing there with a sword of fire. But Absalom couldn't see a thing. Three times that happened. He beat that donkey. And finally that donkey looked up and said, why are you beating me? Don't you see this? Hedge up here. Don't you see this angel up here? You see what God was doing? God was directing a divine act here. Mm, I hope I'm getting, I just hope this is coming somewhere. You see, when God has a high and noble purpose for life, listen to me, He issues restraining orders to keep us from messing it up. It's not luck. No, it's not luck. You didn't hit the jackpot. Not luck. Not, not, has nothing to do with it. It's a restraining order from God that kept you from doing what you meant to do. Uh, look at the third thing, God's respected office, verse 7 to 13. Abraham, Abraham had no resemblance of a prophet. By, by the way, did y'all get that point number two? Can y'all go home with that tonight? That some of the things that in our past God rearranged and we didn't like it, but God had a purpose for our life and we can look back now and see why God did it. How about just last week or how about last month or how about last year when you decided you wanted to do this or that or something else and God said, no, I have a purpose for your life. You can't do that. You'll mess it up. Did y'all get that? Okay. If it's just you singular, just you singular, he'll do the same thing. Wished our teenagers could get that. Wouldn't it be great if our teenagers could grab that? Look at number three God's respected office. Abraham had no resemblance of a prophet. At least for a little while, Abimelech couldn't even tell he was a prophet. He came in. You see, the prophet had certain kinds of apparel. I think a preacher ought to dress like a preacher. That's just my conviction. I don't think he ought to try to blend in with the world. Now, that don't mean that what we wear has anything to do with people getting saved but it does sometimes have something to do with the respect of where we stand. And so here, he couldn't tell he was a prophet because prophets had attire that set them out as God's men. (laughs) It wasn't nice stuff. They didn't have a closet full, and they didn't have a cowboy sandal in the pile. And I'd have been probably, you know, upset about that. But Abraham was disrespectful in verse number 9. Look, who can say I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. What did I do? I did nothing. I told truth. She is my sister. Who can tell me my heart's not right with God? Don't tell me my heart's not right with God. No, no. I told the truth. No, he didn't. Folks, listen. You can tell yourself you're righteous all you want to, but until the Holy Ghost of God clears you up and cleans you up and gives you peace, no. No, he, 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 he tries to... Um, He's disrespectful to God and he's distrustful of God, verse 10 and 11. He basically is saying, Abraham shows us a clear lapse here of unbelief. He has absolutely no faith now. That faith that we saw in him earlier, we do not see it now. The cowardly thing he did here, the cowardly thing he did because he couldn't trust God. And in verse number 12, Abraham was dishonest. He was intentionally dishonest. Intentionally misleading. There is one thing for us to accidentally trip and fall into sin. Now, I I don't have great balance, and every now and then, I'll, I'll fall. My wife, not happy about it. She'll grab my arm. And Angie Carroll, if she's around, you'd think I was 112 years old. I mean, she'd put me in a wheelchair and pushed me around. I believe if I'd let her. She'd take care of her daddy. But you see, you can't be telling yourself you're one thing when you know inside you're not one, the other thing. And here, the faith that Abraham had seemed to just move all the way out, he didn't look like a prophet, didn't look like a man of God, he didn't look like anybody that trusted God. He didn't act like he had a seed that was coming from God. He didn't act like that one day the virgin born baby was coming through that line. He didn't realize it. So Abraham was dishonest in verse number 12. He misled the people, Abraham was a disgrace to God's office. Verse sixteen, he calls calls him her brother. She does. He he he, he ha- should have had his wife in such a place of love for God that she would not have done what he did, but she did. So don't blame. Don't say poor old Sarah, she's just so wonderful. No, no, she had her problems. Something happened between here and chapter 13. Something happened in those 13 years, not chapter 13, but in those 13 years, something happened to where Sarah became completely submissive, completely righteous, completely honest, completely truthful, and Abraham loved his family so much he would be willing to give his very life for them. Something happened because here they disgraced God's office. God should have got him somebody else. You know it? But he didn't. He couldn't talk. Here, here, here he has the great one of the great opportunities of his life. He stands before a lost man and his whole his whole tribe. He has a perfect. Time to tell him about Jehovah God and to tear all those idols down and fall on your face and trust God. He loves you and he'll do something in your life. There's just one God, that one God. In fact, especially after God had talked to him, don't you think that dude was ready to be saved? Well, Abraham messed that up. Abraham messed that up. He disgraced the ministry. But I really do believe with all my heart that if you're called of God, God preserves you until he's finished with you. I don't know when that is. It might not be your whole life, but God preserves you till he's finished with you. Y'all with me? Well, I've got to quit, but look at number four. Ab- Ab- Abimelech's restoration offered. He restored Sarah. Thank God for that. Amen. He gave land and sheep back. Who would do that? Here's a guy comes in, lies to you, puts you at risk, puts you in a place where God might kill you, and lets him take all the stuff he brought in with him. I'd have kept all of it, wouldn't you? I said, you're going to walk out of here with your sandals, and that's it. But no, no, no. He restored his honor in verse 16. He he restored this childbearing in verse 17 and 18 because Satan wanted to fall, he wanted to foil and to discredit God's plan that he had when Abraham had Isaac. And that'll be a blessed story when you read that. And I guess maybe Abraham and God must have had a conversation one time said, Abraham, do you see what a fool you was? You had a whole town before you, a man that God had spoke to when he wouldn't even talk to you. You lied to him. You put your wife at risk. You stood before him as a prophet because God told you he was a prophet. And you have a chance to tell them about the one God can change their life, the one God who loves them, the one God who has grace, the one God who has power, but you had so dishonored God, they would be just like Lot's daughters, they would laugh at the gospel.